Okay, guys, we are in lesson two, lesson two of uh, our study in First Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and Titus. We're going to be looking at First Timothy chapter one, verses one to eleven. Now, the main theme that he's going to be looking at in these verses, of course, there's the introduction, as normal to a letter, but he's going to be addressing the issue of false teachers false teachers. And so we're going to talk about that today because whether you realize it or not, false teachers are still a problem in our churches. And to be honest with you, even in Bible-believing churches, there are false teachers. We are warned that they will come out from among us. And so you need to be aware of it. In fact, I would go ahead and tell you this. Every book of the New Testament addresses the issue of false teachers. That's pretty significant. If there's one topic that's talked about in every book, it's about false teachers. So it's obviously something that you and I need to be aware of. And so we're going to talk about that here in a moment. So let's look today. We're going to look, first of all, at the greetings. Look with me at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. This is just a traditional greeting from Paul. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, so let's take a look here. First of all, the author. The writer identifies himself as Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, again, I'm going to make mention of this to you because in our world today we kind of reverse it. Paul identifies himself primarily by his name. Notice that after he gives his name, he then says he's an apostle. But he didn't start off with, hey, this is the apostle Paul. He just said, Paul, I'm an apostle. Okay? need to realize that because today in our culture, we like to put a big emphasis on titles and position, especially in the church. And that's not what we see communicated here in the first century. I mean, obviously, he was an apostle, was treated as an apostle, but he didn't put the emphasis there, okay? And when you notice something there, when you look at verse 1, why is he an apostle? What does the verse tell you? Look at verse 1. Why is he an apostle? Yeah, because God made him an apostle. It's not because he chose to do that. You know what I'm saying? It's not because he aspired to do that or whatever. God made him an apostle. All right? Now, Paul states that he became an apostle at the command of Jesus Christ. We were just talking about that. It's not because he decided that. It's because God made him that. So Paul addresses... This letter to Timothy, his spiritual son. His spiritual son. Paul bestowed a traditional blessing of grace, mercy, and peace from the Father and Jesus. We see this in basically a lot of his letters here. When he greets them, he always says grace, mercy, and peace. From from the Father, which is God the Father, and Jesus. Okay, now let's look at verses 3 through 11. So this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, 
And we're going to just delve into the issue of false teachers. So you think, wow, this is interesting. He starts out, and immediately he just launches into what the problem is. So let's take a look. Look at the end, verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and from a good conscience and from a sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law was not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Okay, so let's talk about false teachers here. First of all, he's going to urge Peter, urge Timothy to do something here. He's Timothy was called to remember what Paul urged him as the apostle went to Macedonia. So he's going into Macedonia, which is Greece, and he leaves Timothy in Ephesus. Why is he leaving Timothy in Ephesus? Well, basically to pastor that church. So as he's going into Macedonia, Paul urges him to do certain things. So this is what he's going to do in this letter is to remind him of the certain things that he's supposed to do. What's he supposed to do? Well, he was to remain in Ephesus and command some believers concerning several issues. So he was supposed to stay there and basically command them with his authority to stop doing certain things. Okay, He was going to command them to stop doing certain things. Timothy was to command some of the believers to not teach other doctrines. Not teach other doctrines. So the first thing is, he's telling them, I don't want you to teach other doctrines. Now, wait a minute, George. What's he talking about here as far as other doctrines? Well, other doctrines refers to that which is contrary to the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. So what he's saying here is he wants them to warn the people in in Ephesus, in the church there, and, and we should be doing the same thing, is for folks not to be spending their time focusing on other doctrines that are contrary to what Jesus taught and what the apostles taught, which we know is the New Testament, right? But here's the thing. We spend a lot of time in the church today focusing on issues that have no relevance whatsoever to the New Testament. And that's what some folks do. Now, here's what I'm going to point out to you. Those kind of folks 
Paul is saying they're false teachers. See, when we have a concept of a false teacher, we think that it's somebody who's teaching a cultish belief or something that we would recognize as heresy. But rather, he's saying it's also somebody that's going to focus on something other than what the New Testament is teaching. So he's saying, he's warning them to not spend time focusing on other doctrines. Okay, so let me ask you, what do you think some other doctrines are that church seems to be focused on today? Okay, John, prosperity theology. God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. And if you don't have enough faith, you're going to be sick and poor. Wow, everybody doesn't here have a lot of faith, do they? Legalism, okay, the exact opposite extreme of legalism and what you have to do in order to be a good Christian, okay. Anybody else? Okay, so teaching other doctrines, he's saying this. That's the first thing. Notice the second thing now. Timothy commanded them not to pay attention to fables and endless genealogies. Fables and endless genealogies. Now, you're probably saying to me, okay, George, I, I kind of grasped the first one. How is this relevant to us? Because we're not focused on endless genealogies here, and we're sure not focused on fables. What's going on here? What's he talking about? Well, let me explain to you what it is, because this is not the only place that it's mentioned. It's mentioned several times in the New Testament. Here's what it says. Fables and endless genealogies refer to mythical stories based on the Old Testament. Mythical stories based on the Old Testament. So this is teaching that shows up in the church because somebody has gained an insight from the Old Testament and because of something that they read somewhere else, and they always bring in extra biblical literature to, to prove their point about this being a significant thing, and then now this becomes an issue in the church to be discussed. Want to give you an example? Because this is real. This happens even today, and well-meaning Christians get duped all the time. All the time. What do you mean? Well, here's an example. An example of this would be the recent discussion of blood moons in Christianity. How many of you remember the discussion of blood moons? Really? Raise your hand so I can see. Okay, a lot of you. All right. John Hagee is one of the biggest purveyors of this. John Hagee spends a lot of time talking about Old Testament genealogies and fables. And folks, you keep sending him money buying his books. But blood moons, can I tell you, has no basis in the Bible. Well, John Hagee says it does. I don't care what John Hagee says. Did you understand what I'm saying? Just because some guy's on the TV and has a big following does not mean that he's right. There are other things. People will talk to you about the way you need to eat Old Testament-wise or the way that you need to do this because of the Old Testament. And they'll focus a lot on the Old Testament. Paul is saying, don't give heed to those things. 
You're saying this is just one verse, George. How can you prove that? I'm telling you it's actually throughout all of Paul's literature because he says not to pay attention to new moons, not to pay attention to festivals, not to pay attention to rules about how you should eat and not eat. Those are all Jewish things that are reflective of the old law and a culture that surrounded the old law that was not Christian or biblical. So he's telling them, quit, tell these folks to quit focusing on this issue of fables and endless genealogies. Now, would you say that's a problem in the church today? Would you say that's a problem in the church today? Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously we've had the blood moons, they've come and gone. Has anything changed? Do you know what I'm saying? Nothing's changed. Do you understand? But we spent a lot of airtime and people spent a lot of money studying it. And not only spending a lot of airtime and money studying it, I have pastor friends who told me they've been hounded by people in their church who are, who are asking questions about this when they should be asking questions about other things that are legitimate rather than this. And then we usually when they ask questions about this, they're not asking because they want to know information. They're wanting to instruct their pastor and they end up getting into disputes about meaningless things. Can we acknowledge that blood moons are meaningless? And it has no basis in the Bible? This is what we're talking about. Now, would you say that this is a false teacher? Yeah, yeah, it's a distraction. A distraction. Okay, let's go on now. Here's the result of such teaching. Focusing on this teaching results in disputes rather than edification for personal faith. Paul is saying here that when we focus on this teaching, what results is disputes rather than edification for personal faith. Have you found that to be true? How many of you have found that to be true? When we have these discussion of meaningless things that just seem like, where did that come from? And some kind of Old Testament thing that when it raises its head, it always results in what? It's never for people to get closer to the Lord or do what he's calling them to do. It always results in what? Divisions. And what are we supposed to be striving for in the church? Unity. Did you understand what I'm saying? Unity. Okay, so let's stop for a moment before we go on. Are false teachers real today? Are they on your radio? You might be shocked that some of the people that you think are okay on the radio are actually false teachers. You might be shocked. Now, how do you discern if they're false teachers? Check with Pastor George? No. All right, you heard what Bruce said. Bruce said you compare it to the Scripture. How you're going to be able to discern that what you're hearing is right or wrong is that you learn the Bible yourself, and you're able to listen to it and say, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. That's not right. Now, give a guy a break. If it's one time wrong, okay. But if you see a consistent pattern as you listen to him of things that are bothering you, that, that seem to be like maybe this guy's not right, then you need to pay attention to that. Those are red flags. Because I'm going to be honest with you here. Let me just stop for a moment. Here's what we know about false teachers from the New Testament. 
Number one, they are eloquent speakers. They know how to talk. They know how to present what they're presenting. They're eloquent speakers. Number two, what they say is not outright, it's always subtle. It's always subtle. So they snare you by the subtle things. Do you understand what I'm saying? But unless you understand the gospel for yourself and understand New Testament, then you're not going to be able to distinguish that something that's being communicated here is wrong. Do you understand? So that's what's going on here. He's saying, these, you know, focusing on this teaching results in what? Disputes. Disputes. So let's go on. He's going to talk about the purpose for the command. Why is he spending a lot? I mean, this is unusual. Usually when Paul starts out a letter, he starts out with a prayer of thanksgiving. He talks about why he's thankful for the person that he's, he's addressing. Have you noticed that in his letters? Right here, he just starts off the bat hammering this issue. Okay? Hammering this issue. Stop for a moment. The reason why he's hammering this issue, okay, has everybody heard about fake news? Okay? So we've heard of fake news, right? Here, I'm going to tell you something right now. Fake news has been a problem in the church since Paul's day. What do you mean fake news? Blood moons, this, that, or another. We have it all the time, and Christians have a tendency, and this is historically true, we have a tendency to be gullible. We just accept what some teacher tells us without ever examining it ourselves. We need to be like the Bereans in the book of Acts, right? When they heard Paul, they went home and what? Looked at the scriptures themselves to confirm what Paul was saying. All right, so here we go. What's the purpose? The purpose for the command to instruct these believers is love. The whole basis of being doing this, confronting them with this false doctrine is love. That's the whole purpose. When, in fact, I'm going to be honest with you. Any confrontation in a church, any kind of confrontation with somebody about any kind of issue, whether it's false teaching or sin, the motivation always has to be what? Love. If love's not there, it's just spiritual abuse. Can I say that again? If love is not there, it's spiritual abuse. And that happens in churches. So the reason why he's telling him, you've got to confront this issue, you've got to deal with these false teachers, is what? Love. Love. Okay, here, notice now. He stresses that love comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That's where love's going to come from. Love's going to come from a good conscience. Good conscience about what? Your own stuff. Your own stuff. You know what I mean by that? You ever notice that when people are like the hardest on somebody else, it's often because they themselves are doing it? Have you noticed that? You know what I'm saying? The guy who's always accusing his wife of running around, running around, running around, and then you find out that he was running around? From a good conscience, what's that? A pure heart 
And what? A sincere faith. A sincere faith in Christ. A sincere, growing relationship with Jesus. That's where love's going to come from. Okay? That's where love's going to come from. Now, I want you to notice now the nature of the false teachers. So he's going to talk about these false teachers. Why does he spend time doing this? Because he needs you and I to understand who they are so that we can identify them. First of all, they've strayed. Paul points out that these teachers have strayed from this kind of love. Well, the very first thing that he's going to point out about false teachers isn't their doctrine. He's going to point out about their character and their demeanor towards others. He's going to point out about how they treat other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? And whether or not they are people who love people. Do you understand? First thing he's going to notice about them is their compassion towards other people and loving other people. Do you understand? First thing. That's not the first thing we look at. We look at what's your doctrinal statement. Hey, you can profess the doctrinal statement and still be wrong. Do you understand? You can profess a doctrinal statement and still be wrong. Here's the other one. Having strayed from love, they spent their time focused on idle talk. Spent their time focused on idle talk. Maybe it's me, but I'm getting this way now. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. But when I go have lunch with you, I want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'll tell you people that I don't have time to talk about stuff with. People who just want to chew the fat about know-nothing doctrines. Do you know what I'm saying? About insignificant nothings. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to sit around and talk about that. How are you doing? What's happening in your life? Tell me about the kids. Tell me about your hunting trip. Tell me about that. Let's let's be real. What I see oftentimes is I meet with people, and, and like I, when I get together even with pastors, if they're spending their time, and it just seems to me they're being fake, and I look at it as being fake, just spending their time talking about meaningless doctrines that nobody else is sitting around worried about, that's just, you've got to wonder. Do you know what I'm saying? These false teachers, because of the absence of love in their heart, why would that cause them to spend their time focusing on idle talk, on meaningless talk? Why would that cause them to focus on meaninglessness if there's an absence of love? What do you think? If there's an absence of love in the person, why focus on meaningless idle talk? Yeah, you don't care. What were you going to say? Did I see your hand, Bruce? Uh, Okay. All right. Brad, not Bruce. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Exhibit some love. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? Why do you, okay, Sam? Okay, don't have a true concept of the real gospel. Okay. All right, that's good. Anybody else? Why do you think if they're, if they're not exhibiting love, that when you talk to them, they spend their time talking about meaningless stuff? Well, they might be, yes. Looking for a reason to argue, that's good. 
Did you understand what I'm saying? Think about conversations. See, we have this concept that if you're truly spiritual, if you're truly walking with God, then every conversation has to be holy. So every conversation has to be spiritual. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be spiritual at all. Spiritual comes into it. Spiritual guides your conversation. But it doesn't have to be you know, do you understand? It doesn't have to be meaningless talk that really, to be honest with you, I'll tell you why. Here's my thought on it. The reason why, if it's a lack of love and they focus on idle talk, is because they want to shift the attention away from what's missing to something else. They want to shift the attention away from the lack of love in their life to look at how much I know. Look at how much I know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look at how much I'm aware of. And they can answer Bible questions. How many of you have ever seen this? Be in church, answer all the Bible questions, but they're the meanest, miserable people you've ever met. Right? This is what we're talking about here. Having strayed from love, they spent their time focused on idle talk. They want to be teachers of the law, yet they don't understand what they teach. So they spend their time focusing on the Bible, talking about the Bible. They want to be teachers of the Bible, but the really the reality is that they don't really truly understand what they're saying. Do I see a hand? Um, some of them, it could be both. But what they're deceived by is their own personal lusts and desires, what they want. Do you understand what I'm saying? Church and church, the body of believers, becomes not something to serve, but it becomes something to serve them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's it's about them and how they look. And listen, and, and I've been I've been a believer now 32 years. Some of you have been believers a lot longer than that. You can think back because you this is not the only church that you guys have gone to. Am I correct in saying that? Okay. You have, if you look back over those years, you could probably identify people who really, it was about them. Whenever they answered a Bible question, it was not the answer or giving glory to God. It was about, look at how smart I am. Did you understand what I'm saying? Look at how, and they, and it was actually, they were viewed themselves here. You can tell it's a, if there's a lack of love is how they positioned themselves above other people. Do you understand? How they position themselves above other people. If they view themselves as being above other people, I'm going to tell you right now, that is a lack of love. Do you understand? That is a lack of love. Because my understanding of this, and I see this from my own life, the more that I walk with Jesus, the more that I realize I don't deserve to be saved. And that there is nothing in me that is worthy of salvation. And it's nothing but pure grace. So that when I sit across from a guy who tells me he has a drug habit, or he's messed up in this area or that area or whatever, I don't see myself as talking down with him. I realize, you know what, I'm just as bad as you. But for the grace of God, go I. Do you understand? That is love. When you talk about somebody who's folk, so yes, they can be deceived, but sometimes 
They're deceived by their own lust, their own desires, their own, their own pride. But sometimes it's intentional. Okay? So they want to be teachers of the law, yet they don't understand what they teach. You're going to find this type of statement throughout Paul's teaching that they, these false teachers that he comes in conflict with, keep talking about the law, the law, the law, and how the Gentiles need to obey the law. But he said they don't understand the law. They don't have a comprehension. They teach things that they don't know. Let's go on. Paul stresses that the law is good when it is used properly and lawfully. The law is good when it's used properly and lawfully. So even the Old Testament is good, but it has to be used properly. The law was not made for the righteous, but for ungodly sinners. The law was not made for the righteous, but for ungodly sinners. Now, what does that mean? Well, do you want to know what the purpose of the law is? He tells us in Romans. The purpose of the law is to reveal to you your need for Jesus. It exposes what? Sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is the whole purpose of the law, is to show people their need for Christ. Okay? Their need for Christ. So let's talk about it. The primary thing, we, we, we want to have big, huge protests about being able to post the Ten Commandments everywhere. But do you truly understand what the purpose of the Ten Commandments is? The Ten Commandments is not to be a moral law that you impose upon cultures. The Ten Commandments is God's moral law that reflects the fact that every single one of us have what? Sin. Because there's not a single commandment that we haven't all broken. That's the purpose of the law. Did you understand? Go ahead. Well, yes, but here's the thing. Whether it's there or not, the purpose of the law, do you understand, is to expose sin. Okay? Is to expose sin. And so he goes through a list of sins here that it exposes. So the law was for those whose lives are contrary to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The law was for those whose lives are contrary to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to show people that they need Christ. That's what the law is for. Now, why did he bring this up? It seems like he's going off on a tangent here. Well, he's trying to show them that these false teachers are trying to impose the law upon people of some significant fables, whatever, Old Testament junk. And the reality is that the whole purpose of the Old Testament is to show you who? Jesus and your need for him. Do you understand? 